Hello, screeders. What do we think about listening to people say the same things over and over? Is it a form of madness? Is that what I am now? A philosopher? A broken heart? A wounded soul? On repeat? Constantly blathering about the same things to you? Does it tire you? I know I'm tired, but I don't know if that's why. I have fits and starts of creativity, and the rest of the time it's just sort of a hazy malaise. And I don't mean to be sad, I just mean to be me. Hopefully that's enough for y'all. I don't know. What I do know is today is Wednesday, hump day, May 20th, 2020. I am Jason Hobbs, and this is Random Screed. If he is up or down, his podcast still comes round. Hobbs is in his van. Don't turn off that sad nap, man. Random screed, random screed. Don't know what you get, but it's what you need. What up, Hobbs? It's Arlen. Um, I so I listened to your one job podcast, and I was going to say I think one of the things that is. Uh, tied to it for me tied to kind of that cyclical feeling um, is that depression is really good at kind of synchronizing with uh, basically any type of negative feeling and especially kind of consistent negative feelings. Um, For me, I, in addition to uh, pretty regular depression, have um, sleep apnea and when I don't use my uh, CPAP mask, I feel really tired and pretty immediately get depressed because that's just something it it um, it feels sort of like uh, almost like depression is always kind of waiting. Like there's a sort of undercurrent of that available. And when I start to feel, especially because it's consistent that, um, depression makes me feel tired too. And it's just a, when I feel tired, I can end up getting that, that depressed feeling just really easily. It's like, that's a, that's kind of a groove that my mind is in. And I suspect it's that way for a lot of people who, uh, suffer from, from serious depression that it's uh you know you after you've been in it for a while and there's a sort of pattern it can be really easy if there's stuff that triggers that pattern that uh you know you can end up back in that in that place and not feeling good and and in a pretty pretty a pretty grim place without necessarily having a lot of reason to be there. Um, by which I mean, you know, everybody gets tired. Everybody has off days where they're feeling tired. It's just for me, an off day where I'm feeling tired, it's easy to, to sort of sink from there. 
And I don't know entirely why that is, but I think that has to do with, um, while, as, as you say, depression lies and that it, uh, it can synchronize with your uh, particular patterns, whatever, whatever kind of the negative pattern is in your life, that it, it can link up with that essentially. And that's not a, not a good idea. Anyway, um, I also don't own a gun for the same reason you do. Um, so that's, that was kind of a interesting thing to hear about, but yeah, I hope you're, you're feeling better today. You know, it's, uh, one day at a time, man, you have rough days and you have good days and the, the rough days for me, at least I, uh, I'll have days where it's about every 20 minutes or so that I think, man, I could just go back to bed and wake up and hopefully things would be better in the morning. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, an uncomfortable place to be, but they're also good days. And I, uh, hope that Gaiman, especially, you know, I like to think that Gaiman with, with your buddies, and I'd like to think that I, one of the buddies that you game with, uh, helps out with that. So yeah, I don't know. Take care, man. You, you definitely, all of us have a, a job to do. So, you know, stick around. And there we had Arlen Walker with some real talk. Arlen is a good buddy of mine who I happen to game with. And uh, he is also the mastermind behind Live from Pelham's Wasteland. So Arlen, of course, uh, you're one of my buddies. In fact, I spend more time gaming with you and the Kevin group than I do probably anyone else. We almost game four times a week. And uh, sometimes I game with you other times as well. So, of course, don't uh, discount yourself in the category of the gamerhood and one of my buddies. So, other than that, um, yeah, maybe maybe it helped you to hear that uh, that's why I don't own a gun. And I have heard other people maybe say that in the past. Not very often. Uh, a lot of times this isn't something that you really talk about. So... Honestly, I don't have a ton more to say about what Arlen said. I think he covered it quite well. And it was more of the same of what I was saying, an analog of that. So, and I agree with you, definitely sleep is an issue. Uh, My own insecurities and uh, self-loathing definitely help push towards that. And uh, I have another call in that mentions other people basically questioning your validation or why you do things uh, can also help that downward spiral. Let's hear from that other guest, shall we? Hey Hobbs, it's Jay. I'm out on a walk, so that's why um, I'm breathless, I suspect. But uh, just listening to your episode when you were talking about depression and also this undermining of confidence, which I totally relate to and how quickly that can switch um for me all it takes you know is somebody to question what i do or why i did something and uh that whole spiral of questions will just expand in my mind recently i've been um listening a lot and thinking a lot about stoic philosophy and um 
something really triggered in my mind when you talked about the having a job to do you know as a as a person you have a job to do and i was reminded of marcus aurelius the emperor and philosopher who said that when you get out of bed in the morning you just remember that you've got a work to do and it's the work of a human being and we live in relation to other human beings and that is what we're here for so i wanted to share it with you game on man there's some pretty deep shit from Marcus Aurelius and my buddy Che Webster from Roleplay Rescue. Uh, you may have listened to that show or that podcast previously, but I'm pretty sure you've never heard an episode on there like his latest one where I am a guest talking <laughs> at length and kind of pretentiously, uh, in unintentionally about gaming and why I consider it serious and possibly one of the reasons that I don't necessarily fall in line with whimsy so to speak but I kind of challenge that during the episode as well so if you want to hear me challenge my own theories and idiosyncrasies uh, more than I do here or other than I do here at the screed then maybe you'll want to go check out roleplay rescue but as far as that the job of a human being We all got that job. If everyone thought that way, we wouldn't need a lot of the trappings that exist. We wouldn't need the endless laws and clauses and superlatives and add-ons and all that stuff trying to decipher the way people should interact with each other. Uh, But I'm not going down that road about knowing what is evil and what isn't. Um, I guess that is something that we have to count are on learning we have to plan and try to learn and uh, I think I'm still learning the job of being a human being Uh, when I'm down in my doldrums I would guess that uh, maybe I never will but I'm always going to keep on trying thanks for calling in Shay back on the uh, subject of death yeah, so I agree with Jason Nerd Variety about it depends on the game, about your expectations for death and whatnot. <clears throat> and uh, I think I just, I think you hit it on the head when you're talking about expectations. Uh, I had no idea about how lethal OSR was. Uh, so that definitely was a shock. Um, I don't really see death as failure. But I suppose maybe there is a small part. Um, but, and I, I do agree that uh, character death can be fun sometimes. But, uh, yeah, it really depends on how does that death happen. So... In terms of emergent storytelling, I think that if your character dies, you really aren't getting that emergent storytelling through your character, which I think is how I see it. Uh, I think that what ends up happening is, is that you're getting the emergent storytelling through as a player through all of these different characters, which I think is just a different mindset that uh, that I needed to get into. So, like in the case of the barrow maze game uh in that case i had two characters die 
and, and I did absolutely nothing. Like I, it was interesting to be in the game, but I did not actually get to participate in the game per se. Um, I basically rolled a single die, which was a say a failed saving throw, and then I died. And the second one was. And in the uh, the second death in the barrel maze was basically a surprise round where once again my character didn't actually have a chance to do anything. So, like I said, I had fun and I don't blame Cody for that at all. Uh, I was I was happy to be a part of it, but definitely was a, a kind of a bummer in that respect. Um, in terms of your Kalmata games, I mean I've only had one character die so far. But I did feel like that was a lack of player skill on my part and a lack of understanding uh, how lethal the system is. But um, overall, I've been having a lot of fun in Kalmata, so I don't want you to take that as a negative in any way. Uh, in terms of the depression, man, I, I feel you. I've been in that place. Uh, on numerous occasions where just out of the blue I just feel super down, super black and um, yeah, I know that it's not rational and that's the only thing that keeps me from doing something stupid uh, I should say only but definitely one of the major things is I, I just know that um, I'm just not thinking straight and uh, that, you know better times lie ahead so stay strong and uh i likewise uh am willing to listen anytime that you need to talk to somebody so keep up the good uh work loving the screed talk to you later buddy and there was the zombie cowboy jason weebs lareth the beautiful uh one of the newer guys one of the newer people in the gamerhood but someone that's very active and uh, as you can see he joined the auto dungeon discord and got into some games and already learning some different thoughts and processes um, different aesthetics and styles of games and uh, trying to decipher if they're for him or not which i think is what we all should do if you don't try anything new you're not learning if you're not learning you're dying also some talk there about uh, depression which is something some of us, a lot of us, some of us live with us a lot of the time, some of the time. It exists and it, uh, it takes people from us too soon. So uh, it's definitely something I think more people should try to be aware of. Uh, not only in themselves, but those around them. And uh, do their best to um, keep everyone alive and staying on task and doing their jobs as a human being um, I would like to pick one little thing out of uh, what Jason talked about there and he mentioned not participating uh, because he only rolled one die um, now that is something we could talk about when you're playing a game are you participating only when it's your character's action or turn in the spotlight or opportunity for role play, uh, combat. Is that the only time you're really participating in a game? I don't mean to pick apart what he's saying 
because it was, it's a very, very small uh, facet of the really informative and heartfelt information that he put forth in those four messages. So uh, that's my question to you. I think that you can, and I think that you should try to, and uh, active players are going to do that as opposed, you know, proactive players. This is something that I beat a dead horse on uh, myself in this podcast and others. If I've been guesting or on Hobbs and Friends or what it takes to make a good player, um, participant of a role-playing game. So what do you guys think? Uh, I feel like you can, but I think there's a fine line between being involved too much, especially in a uh, D&D game online or any kind of role-playing game online. Tabletop role-playing game online? Online tabletop role-playing game? Ugh, geez, all these words and having to very specifically define yourself can be exhausting. But uh, I think you know what I'm saying. Is is that uh, part of it? And uh, that's, a, that's a good topic to talk about is participating in a game. And uh, what that looks like, in, especially in a high lethality game where it might be harder to get a character back in, but any game really, um, what is participation and how can you be more involved? Like when they talk about the wizard at first level, once he casts his one spell, he's got nothing else to do. So is that accurate? I hope not, but I'd like to talk about it some more, so drop me a line and let me know. So, um, yeah, I'd like to thank everybody for calling in and following up on that uh, pretty dark topic from last episode, and uh, it was really great to see that the zombie cowboy realized that you can do multiple messages and get a full thought out. Hopefully he can uh, add some brevity to that, but I'm just kidding, man. If you want to do four episodes, I don't care. But maybe the other people do. Or maybe the people think you have something to say on your own. And you should maybe do your own show. Now that does not mean that I want you to stop calling in. Because I've lost a lot of callers from telling everyone to do their own show. But anyhow, um, I wanted to let you all know that I've been uh, threatening to reread Malazan Book of the Fallen. And doing a podcast uh, maybe only about that or adding it to some of my other podcasts or anything like that. So what I have done is done a short reading of a little scene in uh, Gardens of the Moon that I wanted to share with you guys. In the future, I'm hoping to do these readings at my house and the audio will be better, but uh, it isn't terrible. So let me know what you think. I love you guys. Y'all got jobs to do even if it's just being a human being. Garum was a league and a half inland along the old Can Road, a pre-Empire thoroughfare rarely used since the Emperor Imperial Raised Coast Road had been constructed. The traffic on it these days was mostly on foot, local farmers and fishers with their goods, of them only unraveled and torn bundles of clothing, broken baskets and trampled vegetables, Littering the track remained to give evidence of their passage. A lame mule, the last sentinel overseeing the refuse of an exodus, stood dumbly nearby, ankle-deep in a rice paddy. 
it spared Perrin a single forlorn glance as he rode past. The detritus looked to be no more than a day old, the fruits and green-leaved vegetables only now beginning to rot in the afternoon heat. His horse carrying him at a slow walk, Perrin watched as the first outbuildings of the small trader town came into view through the dusty haze. No one moved between the shabby mud-brick houses. No dogs came out to challenge him, and the only cart in sight leaned on a single wheel. To add to the uncanny scene, the air was still, empty of birdsong. Perrin loosened the sword in its scabbard. As he neared the outbuildings, he halted his mount. The exodus had been swift, a panicked flight. Yet he saw no bodies, no signs of violence beyond the haste evident in those leaving. He drew a deep breath, slowly released it, then clicked his horse forward. The main street was in effect the town's only street, leading at its far end to a T-intersection marked by a single two-story stone building, the Imperial Constabulary. Its tin-backed shutters were closed, its heavy banded door shut. As he approached, Perrin held his eyes on the building. He dismounted before it, tying his mare to the hitching rail, then looking back up the street. No movement. Unsheathing his blade, Perrin swung back to the constabulary door. A soft, steady sound from within stopped him, too low to be heard from any distance. But now, as he stood before the huge door, he could hear a liquid murmuring that raised the hairs on his neck. Perrin reached out with his sword and set its point under the latch. He lifted the iron handle upward until it disengaged, then pushed open the door. Movement rippled in the gloom within, a flap and soft thumping of air carrying to Perrin the redolent stench of putrefying flesh. Breathing hard and with a mouth dry as old cotton, he waited for his eyes to adjust. He stared into the constabulary's outer room, and it was a mass of movement, a chilling, soft susurration of throats giving voice. The chamber was filled with black pigeons cooing in an icy calm. Uniformed human shapes lay in their midst, stretched haphazardly across the floor amid droppings and drifting black down. Sweat and death clung to the air thick as gauze. He took a step inside. The pigeons rustled, but otherwise ignored him. None made for the open doorway. Swollen faces with coin dull eyes stared up from the shadows. The faces were blue, as of men suffocated. Perrin looked down at one of the soldiers. Not a healthy thing, he muttered, wearing these uniforms these days. A conjuring of birds to keep mocking vigil. Dark humors, not to my liking any more, I think. He shook himself, walked across the room. The pigeons tracked away from his boots, clucking. The door to the captain's office was ajar. Musty light bled through the shuttered windows, uneven joins. Sheathing his sword, Perrin entered the office. The captain still sat in his chair, his face bloated and bruised in shades of blue, green, and gray. Perrin swept damp feathers from the desktop, rummaged through the scroll work. The papyrus sheets fell apart under his touch, the leaves rotten and oily between his fingers, a thorough eliminating of the trail. He turned away, walked swiftly back through the outer room until he stepped into the warm light. He closed this constabulary door as no doubt the villagers had. The dark bloom of sorcery was a stain few cared to examine too closely. It had a way of spreading. Perrin untethered his mare, climbed into the saddle and rode from the abandoned town.
he did not look back.